Our scripture reading this morning is in part at least very familiar since we read it and heard it and dwelled in it during the time of our Jubilee discernment, the voice of Jesus preaching the words of Isaiah. So we begin in Luke 14 and then move on to a conversation that Jesus had in Luke 18 uh, with someone who came to him for advice. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been raised. On the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue as he normally did and he stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it to the synagogue assistant and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, why do you call me good? No one except the one God is good. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. The ruler said, I have kept all of these since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said, there's one more thing. Sell everything you own and distribute the, the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When he heard these words, the man became sad because he was extremely rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, it's very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. Those who heard this said, then who can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible for humans is possible for God. Peter said, look, we left everything and followed you. And Jesus said to them, I assure you that anyone who has left house husband, wife, brothers, sisters, parents, or children because of God's kingdom will receive many times more in this age and eternal life in the coming age. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Let's continue our worship with singing again, number 209. Uh, it's a familiar tune, but I invite you to follow Megan and me for uh, clues to the interludes, because there is, it's a lovely accompaniment, but uh, that's the one thing you have to watch for.
It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I don't know about y'all, but I really struggle with this text. I get a little itchy when I hear it preached because there's so many different interpretations and each preacher seems sure that they have the right of it and they contradict each other and complicate things. We can't seem to make up our mind what this text means. I've heard passionate sermons that declare that the eye of the needle refers to a tiny gate in the walls of Jerusalem. In order to go through this gate, someone riding a camel must dismount, remove all the stuff from the camel's back, and force the camel to kneel down and crawl on its front knees. These preachers say that Jesus is talking about humility, about setting aside your earthly possessions in order to enter the narrow way into heaven. I've heard sermons that suggest that we have misinterpreted the Greek word used here that we say means camel. That's because the word kamilon with an eta in the middle means camel, and kamilon with the letter iota in the middle means cable or rope. So some say that Jesus is talking not about a camel, but about a large rope squeezing through a needle. Since there were so many people in the area whose trade was fishing, it would and would require them the ability to mend nets, it would have been easily understood that squeezing a thick, a thick rope through the eye of a needle would have been very difficult. I've also heard that around the time of Jesus, the Persians had a saying when discussing something preposterous, which was, it is easier for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle. So Jesus changed it to camel, since that was the largest animal around and was familiar to all. I've heard sermons where the point is not the action that the rich man should take, but is instead the lesson that there is nothing the rich man could do on his own to find heaven. It's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, so therefore it is impossible for this rich man to go to heaven on his own. The message is that nothing is impossible with God. Well, I do think that there's something to glean from each of these, I have problems with all of these ideas. For the last one, I don't love the message that personal action doesn't matter at all because only God can bring about salvation. This message relieves the listeners from having to do anything radical, relieves them from their personal responsibility to each other and to God. I find myself disagreeing with the idea that Jesus wasn't talking about an actual camel and was instead talking about a rope. There are other rabbinical writings that mirror Jesus's message that are specifically talking about a creature, not an inanimate object. And Jesus used the same word and spelling for kamilan to mean an actual camel as recorded in Matthew 23. There he says that foolish people strain out a gnat from what they consume and don't realize that they are swallowing camels. It probably made sense to the people at the time because camels were so common. I also struggle with the thought that Jesus was talking about a gate when he said needle. This idea about the gate didn't appear in scholarly writings until the ninth century well after Jesus's death. And there's no archaeological evidence that this gate existed. 
So that's probably also not right. Maybe we're trying too hard. Perhaps those of us who have spent time with this text are doing too much in seeking to find the one true right meaning. Perhaps we're putting too much weight on this one sentence or even this one word. Maybe it's just hyperbole. Maybe it's supposed to be ridiculous in order to make a point. Or maybe Jesus was talking to one person at one time who needed that specific message. Jesus knew he was talking to a rich man. Jesus knew this man felt he had followed all of the laws and had worked hard to be holy and that he deserved to be rewarded. Jesus might have been trying to disrupt this man's belief that he had everything figured out and had done everything correctly. We may never know exactly what Jesus meant when he used this hyperbole, but we do know what his overarching message was, and we can examine the context to see what else was going on. The story of the rich young ruler is told in the first three Gospels. This is significant because only about a third of all of the stories of Jesus are recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And even less, only about 10% of the stories are recorded in all four Gospels. So when we notice this repetition, we should pay attention. All three stories about the interaction with the young ruler are about the same. In all three, Jesus said, sell what you have, give it to the poor, follow me, and you will have treasure in heaven. All three stories agree that Jesus said it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven and that those who heard him say this were greatly astonished. This is likely because it was a common Jewish belief that wealth meant you had God's favor, which was actually based on teachings in the Torah. Psalm 112 said that God gives wealth and riches to those who fear God. Proverbs 14 said that the, the, the wise are given a crown of wealth, and many of the religious leaders of the day were rich, which you can see evidenced many times through Jesus' rebuke of them. Jesus' disciples were astonished when he said that it is hard for a rich man to enter heaven because they believed otherwise. The apostles likely expected that all the rich and great men of the nation would support the Messiah and acknowledge him as a king. So it was probably shocking to hear Jesus rebuke those men and the riches they had, which they thought came from God. It's a great example of how Jesus came to disrupt. Jesus shared this message in Judea, either in the beginning or the middle of his ministry. Since the text we read today, as recorded by the anonymous author of Luke Acts, puts this story right in the beginning of his ministry, the author probably thought that this was a very important foundational message of Jesus's. When he was instructing the rich young ruler, Jesus quoted from the Torah to make his point, which ground Jesus's message in scripture and in history. The hearers would have known the passages Jesus spoke, but likely heard them in a new way. Interestingly, the first two times the story was written, the rich young ruler walks away before Jesus says to the disciples that it is hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
the message was for his disciples, not the rich young man. But in the telling of the story of Luke, which was written after Matthew and Mark, and we read today, the ruler stays and hears that message. I don't know why this was important to the writer of Luke, but it is something that makes me curious. It makes me wonder why it was important to the author to include the rich man in the lesson. Perhaps Luke's intended audience were more wealthy and the author wanted to tell the story in which the rich person heard the message. When trying to find meaning in a text, I like to test how the meaning I think I found fits in with the rest of scripture. This message that we read today means to me uh, is about interdependence, about giving to the poor, about jubilee. This fits in with Jesus's message well, so I think I can rest comfortably in my interpretation until I am challenged by the Holy Spirit or my community of interpreters. This message Jesus shared is good news to the poor and good news to the rich person, even if it wasn't received as such at the time. We don't know exactly what it looked like to be extremely wealthy in the past, but we do know today that excess wealth warps your sense of what is true and what is necessary and normal. So that was probably the case then. Jesus had come to preach Jubilee. He was anointed to bring good news to the poor, release to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed, and the proclamation of the year of the Lord's favor. So we can see this story as an example of what Jubilee might look like for both the rich and the poor. Jesus is sharing what God desires for the world and shows us what that could look like. God wills for us to live in the kingdom of heaven, which we can create now with God by following God's commands. One big thing I wonder about as it pertains to today's text is if there's a relationship requirement implied by Jesus' command to the rich young ruler. Is Jesus calling for mutual care in communities? Is he calling us into interdependence and relationship? Or is it important to simply not have wealth? I think the answer is the former and not the latter although there are some very wealthy people that I think should give up all of their wealth. Jesus tells the ruler to sell everything he has and give it to the poor and follow Jesus. We know that by following Jesus, people were present with the poor and the sick and witnessed God's vision for humanity firsthand. Perhaps divesting himself of his wealth first is the only way that the rich man could be fully present with Jesus as he performed his ministry. I don't know if my interpretation of this scripture is right. I don't know if my interpret if others interpretation of the scripture is wrong. But I do know it leaves me with more questions. Are we held captive by our wealth? Are is what we are doing good news for the poor? How can we interrupt our patterns of wealth and debt accumulation so that we can find a new vision? Jesus is sharing a message that is liberation for all, so how can we join in that? And are we a camel trying to fit through the eye of a needle?